This episode is brought to you by freedadcourse.com. You are always one conversation away from changing your life, and the power of hello is something that I subscribe to every single day, and I'm always saying hello to new people everywhere I go. Increasing your opportunity, increasing your connection, and getting access to the solutions to the problems that you are facing, whether you're on active duty or just beginning your veteran transition or even transitioning out for 20 years. On the other side of hello are the solutions that you're looking for. Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com. Get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design. Dory 1, this is Fireteam Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome to episode 22. I really want to just pause for a moment and appreciate that this is where you've chosen to spend some of your podcast time. I know it's valuable. I know there's probably 10 notifications on your phone right now waiting for your attention, and you chose to put your attention and focus here on this podcast, so I really appreciate that. And if you really appreciate it, the value that we bring to you, a review on iTunes is the best way that you can help us get this message out to even more military veteran dads. I want to remind you that about three weeks ago, we launched a Facebook group where we've got military veteran dads coming in, where we're going to share the load, share our lives, and come together and build the tribe and build the band of brothers that dads need, that we aren't meant to do life alone. And I want to also just pause for a moment to give you a little bit of prep work for this podcast. We've never really dove into food on this podcast yet, and that's what we're going knee-deep into in this podcast episode today. And I want you to think about this episode that there are probably 1,000 steps between the version of yourself that you want to be in the future and the one you are today, especially when it comes to health. So much of what Americans' relationship is to food is not always the healthiest. We always know what we need to do, but life always has to stay in these ruts, has to stay in these unhealthy relationships when it comes to food. So think about this episode and challenge yourself Don't try to think of and do a thousand steps to get where you want to be. Try to pick one nugget, one thing that you think that you can do out of this episode, and then do it. That is the simplest thing that you can do to drive your life forward from the dad you are today to the dad you want to be tomorrow. Just pick one of the simplest things, even if it's cooking with your kids, even if it's dancing in the kitchen with your kids when you're cooking, even if it's just involving them more. Don't get hung up on what you're cooking. Just pick something and move forward to get where you need to go. A quick story on my fitness journey was four years ago, I started The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. That book inspired me to start to take exercising in the morning, part of The Miracle Morning. Because I had an unhealthy relationship with the gym and fitness, I simply started with just going for a walk. It was about a 30-minute walk around the neighborhood. I didn't run. I had a podcast on probably, but I did just walk. That was it, and then I came home. And with the moral of that story is it is so much important when you're trying to drive change is to step into the life that you are to right now, not any version of yourself in the future, not any version of yourself in the past, the version of yourself that you are right now. 
and focus on that person that you are right now and move from that position. Do the smallest thing or the biggest thing that you can do from where you're standing right now. Doesn't matter where you want to be, just from where you're standing right now, pick something and start moving some direction forward towards that desired end state that you want for your life. That is so much more important. And as you listen to this episode, try to pick one or two things that you could do to help start moving your life in your in the direction you want it to. And I guarantee those little daily steps will get there if you consistently keep moving forward to some goal that you want for your life. Without further ado, I really want to get you guys into this episode because it was a game changer and I can't wait for you guys to hear it because I know it's going to bring a few dads home. Today on the show, we have a dad who was introduced by me to Adam Bratz. If you remember, Adam was in on episode 13 of the podcast. This is just another example of how we don't know who we need to know until we start moving and talking to strangers. When we continue to help others bring value into others' lives, people just can't help but reciprocate that value into ours. Today's name, it, today's guest is Ronaldo Linares. He's a proud husband to Lady Linares, father to Liam, who is five years old, and Zane, who has just turned one on April 10th. He is a celebrity Latino chef author of Chef Ronaldo's Saboris de Cuba, diabetes-friendly traditional and Nueve Cubano cuisine on Amazon. He's a former U.S. Marine who is the CEO of the Set Rock Group Incorporated and the CEO of Ronaldo Lanares LLC. Passionate about being the community conduit for Latino and non-Latino communities, blending modern cooking techniques and with ancestral flavors. Chef Ronaldo specializes in creating healthy, diabetes-friendly dishes that are traditionally Latino yet also have a modern flair. As a dynamic speaker on health and wellness, he is able to captivate the audience with clarity, with crafty storytelling. Ronaldo, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, man? How are you, Ben? Pleasure I'm than good. Be I'm, I'm really glad you're on the show today. No, 100%, man. I, I uh, thank you for, for bringing me on. And, and to Adam, Adam, thank you my friend, for connecting us here to another uh, fellow Marine, Urah. Always great to talk to a, to a fellow, a semp, you know, someone that understands that Semper Fi um, a model better and how, how dedicated we are to our cause and any cause we do, especially as being that. Yep. Which makes this, my when I uh, found this mission, like being a veteran dad, being a Marine, like to me, it's it all, all part of completing the mission of bringing every dad home. Yeah, no, which is amazing. And I love what you're doing. And I, you know, thank you for bringing a light to it because a lot of people don't think uh, about that. You know, there's a lot of dads out there overseas, uh, either on, on land or on sea, <clears throat> excuse me, on land and sea. And some don't get to come home. Some haven't been home for years. So finally, when they do come home and bring them home to be with a family, their kids that They come back and the kids one year old, so they miss not only the pregnancy, but that 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 those special moments of when the kid a kid is born, when a kid first is, says his first word, when he walks. There's a lot of things that you know we don't think about. And, and me as a dad, I you know thankfully um, I became a dad later part after I left the Marine Corps and everything, so I was able to experience that. But to those that don't, you know, those are the special moments that you know we we miss and because we are fighting for this country's freedom for those dads that are here to be able to see those moments. And everybody relates that moment of the videos that everybody always shares with the dad surprises their kids. And those always tear me up inside every time I watch one, but there's a, 
that's our perception of what's coming home is like the the hero welcoming ceremonies when the navy ship comes back from a deployment or when an aircraft lands and the marines uh, unit is coming on but that is just the tip of the iceberg that's just a happy memory but the real work of coming home is where that happens afterwards Definitely, hundred percent. You know those moments are great, and like I'm a man, I'm a sucker for those moments because I, like, I, and like you, you understand that at a different level. Like that, seeing your kid and seeing your wife. Like I'm getting goosebumps right now, and I remember it's just being able. I remember when I came home and saw my family and and saw my brothers, and it was just like, what is up? Like I get to embrace you again, and for 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 dads, it's just times 10 that feeling but then after all the the bell the balloons have deflated and the confetti has been cleaned up and and all the hurrahs and hellos you're stuck in in the morning with no routine anymore you have been removed from your command you have been removed from what you've done every single day and then you're looking at that window literally peeking out because you are afraid to go out there because you feel out of place. You don't feel like you belong. You feel like a stranger. You feel like an alien, literally an alien um, next to everybody else. Because you're, you're, in your mind has been conditioned to something else uh, through the last four, eight, 12, 16 years. And now that has stopped and ceased. And if you don't have a plan, it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. So what do we do between those moments, you know? Mm-hmm. And so much of what well, you talked about, the routine, coming home and feeling like that alien, that there's that initial tension that's released when you hug your kids for that first time. But once that tension subsides, then there's this emotional internal narrative that starts coming. And if you, you've been trained to not talk about those emotions, not deal with them, not even try to understand what's going on on the other side, you know, like your, your, our mentality is we need to go in there with uh, a mindset of understanding, but at the same time, we need to go to the other side of the with our family and understand what it's like for for them when we were gone. Figure out what life was like, and there was uh, a topic we talk a lot about that your family learns to live without you. That they learned, they created systems in place to emotionally, physically, to do life without you, and you have to figure out how to reintegrate that, and that's no easy task. Definitely not an easy task at all. I think that, you know, the the preparation, if you know you're getting out, it is important. And I think for the military, all branches, to have a better system, to, to have that veteran that's about to leave and go into the civilian world, have a transition plan, a plan put into place to, for them to understand that the family has moved on. They're doing something different. So you have to understand that and be okay with that let go of the ego let go of that i'm in charge right you have to blend back you have to mold back so for me i I think two top things that i want everybody to think about is communication right so as a as a as a as a marine as a veteran everything is communicating your feelings communicating how 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 you feel at the moment and also what you want to do what you feel like doing how how can you make those things happen out here in the civilian world you know, the answers are most of the time right there. And that person is your communication partner. Your communication partner is your wife. That is your number one communication partner. If you have your kids, those are other communication partners because they will not lie to you. They will tell you how things are. 
And that's what you want. And then from there, you start looking at resources. You start working together. And that way, I think that makes a transition better. The second thing is being able to mold back into your the, the routines of others because you are coming into their world. They're waking up at 7 a.m., right? 0700. They're getting up by 720. They're eating breakfast, 730. They're out the door and everything in between. You have to mold yourself to that. You can't expect them to, for you to wake up and they're like, hey, daddy, here you go. No, you yeah. hey, you better get on the ship and get moving, which I think is great. And and we, we can't look at it as a down, right? We can't look at it as like, you know, I'm useless or nothing like that. Like, no, I'm going to add my value here. So like any good Marine, you're going to take a look at, at the situation, right? It's like, okay, you know what? I see what their objective is, but I think that we can make this better and let's come up with a procedure. And then I will communicate it to my communication partners and be like, hey, I've been observing this for the last week or two. I think we can make this processes better. And then now you're able to use somewhat of what you've been doing for the last four, eight, 12, 10, 12 years into the civilian world. I agree. Let's roll back a little bit. If you take us from when you got out of the Marine Corps, how you ended up being a celebrity Latino chef. I, man, I have <laughs> with it, that the celebrity, the celebrity, celebrity, like I can't even say it, celebrity Latino chef. I, I can make it through your bio with all those crazy names. You can make it through <laughs> celebrity. You can say one word, celebrity Latinos. Thankful for the title that people have bestowed upon me and a community bestowed upon me. And I'm very proud of that because I'm very proud of my community and, and helping that out. How did I get there? It just, you know, transitioning out of the, of the Marine Corps, I've always looked to evolve. I've always looked to, I've always had bigger dreams than, than the dream itself. Like I dream, I'm like, all right, how can I make this dream better? So a lot of those, those, those things happen by setting goals pretty much. So when I left the Marine Corps, like I, there was a time, there was a time period that it was very tough for me. I had, I suffered from anxiety and a lot, of, a lot of people don't know that I have really bad anxiety, but through the years I have used med walking meditation. I can't sit down and meditate. So I walk and I just meditate. I, I do a lot of prayer and a lot of communication. I communicate how I feel a lot. And a lot of, and then from there, it's exercise and health and wellness. So that's how the ideas came about on how can I, you know, still do what I love, but you know, I'm a giver and how can I help my community? So I started just putting myself out there. I, I, I kind of saw the social media thing happening and I was just marking myself and market the restaurant to bring more people to the restaurant during that time. This is back in 2004 or five when I left the Marine Corps in 03, 04, I started doing all that. I went to culinary school and then as time went on, I evolved. I'm like, man, there's something here, but I can only dabble in it so much because of the restaurant business. Later on came 2011 and I was, able to land a spot on the Food Network Chopped, the show, the Food Network. So I was one of like season, by that time it was, I think it was season seven, episode 11. And uh, my my episode was called No Palace, No Problem, No Palace is the cactus the year, the cactus year. So uh, that was a lot of fun. I, I lost and it sucked really bad. And it was like a big hit to my ego because 
you know, obviously you just want to win everything. And even though it, it helped, it helped me a lot, propelled me w- what I'm doing now, but also helped the restaurant. But still, I have had that. If I just, I need to do it again. And I'm still there with, with that. And I've been able, that drive has allowed me to publish my, my first cookbook, Chef Ronaldo Sabores de Cuba, back in uh, November of 2016. Various publications in every major health and wellness magazine in the country. Numerous awards. Uh, the War of Excellence for Business Entrepreneurship uh, by Odyssey International, one of the top uh, business re- business organizations that recognizes leadership in New Jersey. I have of the year by the statewide chamber of commerce here in the in the state of new jersey one of the biggest in the country so it's like my heart going after that one thing has allowed me to knock a lot more dominoes down and somebody called me a latino celebrity chef and it just kind of <laughs> went from there and i've you're been like, very blessed really me? yeah so it's pretty cool your story of a chapter remind me of a lesson that i learned quite a bit in life that even when we don't win, like that's an opportunity that very few people get. And there's opportunities that I've had that very few people get. And I'm all, I'm getting better at this. I wasn't always good at it, but pausing and just being, just making sure I enjoy the perspective as I climb the mountain. So especially as ambitious vets of any veteran uh, branch of the military, if you're trying to conquer something or take a hill, it is so easy to focus on the top of that hill and never actually turn around and enjoy the view. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Like I do that a lot more now. And before I continue, what is one of those things that that um, you have been able to accomplish that you didn't see before I answer mine? Uh, it was just like a simple one, even just uh, this past, it wasn't necessarily a bad one, but uh, I, I, I did a small speaking engagement in Vegas this past February. Congrats. And it was kind of small, and it was small with 20 people. But like after it, I I intentionally made that view or that moment of just like enjoying being recognized as a speaker and people walking up to you and being like, hey, I really enjoyed what you had to say. Like, even though I want more in life and I want larger crowds to be around like that is that when I do have those larger crowds, I'm going to crave the memory of when it was only 20. And I wanted to be present with that to make sure that I enjoy that moment. No, that's all. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. That's where um, I think that's where we we find um, the fault a lot that we don't enjoy the small wins because it just makes the bigger wins a lot better. And and you know having those bigger goals, you get these smaller wins. And I'm on the same boat with you, man. After every, after I get, I sign a, a contract to do, let's say, a, like right now, I'm doing a, a three part video series for a campaign on milk, uh, Fuerte Leche. A uh, company that represents uh, three major brands in the United States that are all sustainable, organic, and everything. And it's really cool because I get to do it with my family. You know, I get to do it with my. I'm going to be posting it on on uh, LinkedIn tomorrow, so you guys could check it out. But it's a really cool videos of me just doing recipe videos, cooking. But I had my son involved in there. Uh, my both of my sons, my wife. So all three videos kind of. Up plays Mother's Day and how bringing the family together on Mother's Day is a big part. So, man, out of all the work that I have done in my life has allowed me to make that moment happen and getting paid for it, which is the best part. So yeah. that is like I I in because it just keeps you it keeps you honest, 
keeps you on your on your toes to keep attacking, keep being the hunter. There is uh, the friend I was telling you about that I had on the podcast. He was on an early Ernest Gonzalez. He always taught me of how like like food for a, uh, a Mexican family is like a, like it's almost like the soul of the family. Like a lot of the building of what a family does is in the kitchen. And it's with yep. how they cook. It's how they prepare those lessons. Like those just passing down different generational ways to prepare things. Like I had never had a handmade tortilla and he used to get up in the morning and make a handmade tortillas and bring them into work. And they like, if you've never had a handmade tortilla, you're like, why doesn't every single Mexican restaurant make handmade tortillas? Why are they putting people through these horrible store-bought tortillas? Yeah. And, but that he, had, he even had his, his grandmother's frying pan from like six years ago that uh, we was using to make it. And like when you, when I read, when I first was reading your bio and was introduced to you, I was like, this guy is going to be good because learning how to integrate your family into health and food is something that uh, I enjoy. I love making breakfast with my kids in the morning and that, those memories of just them helping and learning how to, to work in the kitchen those are lessons that are going to pay off later on. Big time. They pay off big time. Um, for me, you know, one, like I know what it did for me as a young kid because I, I had a little bit of different upbringing. You know, I, at the age of five, four or five, I was standing on a milk crate at my father's restaurant in Colombia, peeling potatoes, smashing, cooking the potatoes, smashing the potatoes to make the empanadas, to grinding the white corn on this manual grinder that had a mouth maybe three by three inches big right in, in, in diameter and it just will take forever but it made me respect life food work and i would see my father i would always watch my father speak to the people and working and cooking and, and doing all these things i'm like man that is pretty cool like this here is bringing everything else together you know so with my kids I want to do that in a different level, right? I want to do that in a way that is not work. You know, I don't want to bring it to my work. I want to do it at home. So I, you know, bring in the aspect of the cooking, cooking breakfast and making creations. And I, like, my son has his own knives. Um, they're the plastic ones, right? The serrated ones, not a real knife. So nobody call <laughs> child <laughs> services on me. Um, and the fake ones that are have little serrated blades are plastic from Amazon. And... He uses those to cut onions, cut tomatoes, you know, just do things. And they find so much joy in it. Uh, and when it they... It's with you. It's, it's uh, yeah. what we talk about in the, in the podcast. Kids spell love, T-I-M-E. And they're going to talk about that memory of cooking the kitchen with dad. Long past yeah. your memories when they're in the house with you. And those are going to be things that they're going to make sure they craft with their kids. Exactly. So it's, no, you're absolutely right. And it's about embedding those memories early because as they get older, they're going to appreciate you so much more. And the value that we bring is, is unbelievable, man. And bringing those. And if they learn how to connect with you in your way, as well as their way, that's a new layer of communication you have when they're teenagers and you're grasping for layers of communication to work with them the kitchen will probably always be one place where you can have real conversations with your teenagers. 100%. Because at the kitchen, you can be, you, you know, I'm too old for that, dad. Stop exactly. holding up. We're cooking. And you're absolutely right in that. You hit it, you hit it, you hit it on the head, my friend. In the kitchen, you're just like, all right, we're going to be making 
X, Y, and C. All right, you're in charge of that. I'm in charge of this. Let's make it happen. You know? So it's going to be really cool. And as I get older, when he's 21, we'll have our drinks. We'll be chilling. We'll yep. be just, I, I'm very excited for that because I'm very excited when Liam, as he, as he grows, that we go out to eat together to this really nice restaurants. And, and he could experience that and embed that into him, but also reminding him that we have to still knock every domino down on the way. We can't skip many dominoes. You skip a domino, you're going to, it's going to bring failure on board. You know, success will be a lot harder that way. I agree. And, uh, there's a part that with just I was watching uh, I don't watch anymore because we cut the cord. But before we used to watch the Mission Imp- Restaurant Impossible with Robert Irvine. Mm-hmm. Sorry, my daughter just walked through. No, it's okay, man. First podcast interruption by my daughter. So awesome. I made it 20, 22 episodes without being interrupted. It's amazing. Hey, it's life. The dad life, it is, man. I, it's a dad podcast. It'll happen. It's but okay. Robert Irvine on Restaurant Impossible would always be in the kitchen and he'd be making the, the deals or meals up and he'd start dancing. And he's like, food prepared properly should make you want to dance. And I always remember that. Line. Yeah. And when I, I, I often will do it if I crush a meal or I'm on some new recipe and trying to master some challenge because it does make you want to dance. And I'll often put Alexa on and we'll start dancing with my kids in the kitchen just to to make sure that they connect with it being fun and it's not something that, it's not a chore to be in the kitchen cooking. It's yeah. It's where you can tell stories even of just with food and a memory related to a food of why you recognize a memory even. Um, er, er, Ernest taught me that uh, the how to work a spice cabinet and he really opened my eyes too. And if you've ever been in New Orleans, you really realize yeah. Yeah. there is such a spice deficit of information in the United States that just nobody knows how to work a spice cabinet but so yeah. much flavor comes from work in the spice cabinet. Like I feel like they should teach spices in, in high school because they, they, you can make said, so yeah, many things I mean, healthy. I feel like they used to, man. Like I went, my favorite, my favorite class was home cooking. Okay. And I could not wait to, to go to that cooking class. Our teacher, her name was Mrs. Hasuka. Sounding like azúcar, like sugar, but not azúcar. And she was this lady that every day she would come in with a, her dresses were recipes, right? So, like, it would be an actual recipe on her dress. She loved cooking. That's like the Miss Frizzle of the kitchen. Yeah, pretty much, man. <laughs> and she would, and I remember I, I would come in and, and I would like, hey, Miss, how are you? And, I, and I'm like, what's the recipe today? Oh, it's the bread recipe. Like, it. And she had her little apron. She was an older lady. And I loved it. And I would work so hard at making those recipes that they gave us perfect for her to taste and and hear her feedback. Because I knew that's what I wanted to do. Like, that's me. That's my jam. And I put so much effort into that, (laughs) into that class that I would never, ever forget. And I know that memories, that nostalgic moments, it brings for me. Like, food, man, like... I write a, when I write, I write a lot about nostalgic moments, food memories, things that uh, flavors uh, that will bring me back to a certain time in my life that were just so, so good. And most of that, most of the time is that food memories are just those moments in your life that you can never forget. And they're attached to food. Food is a powerful vehicle. Food, it, you know, people look for world peace. Man, put, make a dope meal, sit down. People from seven different nationalities, 
and they will get along because they're eating a delicious meal and they will talk about whatever. They're not going to look at each other that they're from a X, Y, and C country. They yeah. will just speak. And that to me, honestly, I feel like food is the perfect conduit for peace. And for people to, to understand the other side without words. Exactly. You don't have to have a conversation about nationality to share the common meal. Uh, no. I'm sure you probably have had Peruvian food, right? Oh, yeah, man. We went to a Peruvian restaurant uh, with a bunch of dads in downtown Chicago, and I never had Peruvian food. And, oh, my gosh, there was so much flavor in that food. Like, just the idea of being able to prepare a meal like that and have just that. It's like a flavor explosion in your mouth. And I've one of my things I want to do with my kids, I want to travel the world with them and to give them different cultures. And I think... I often think the best advice for anybody opening a restaurant is unless you visited three different countries in the world before you open a restaurant, you're probably going to fail. Like you really like, and it always blows my mind. You visit a Peruvian restaurant or I even go to work for your, in Europe a couple of times. And there's these simple dishes like aren't complex, but they're really good. And like, just yeah. bring these things back. Like you could, be, you could make millions if you bring these really silly dishes or these combinations of, of food ingredients to, to your kitchen, wherever, wherever you are. Like, don't copy the guy down the street. Go find something nobody knows about and make it go bananas. Yeah. No, no, definitely. And that is what it's about. Like food at its simplest form, it's so transformative. It's amazing. Food, food is not a complicated thing. Like Peruvian food has amazing flavors. The complexity and, and the, lay, the changes of tone throughout a dish is pretty remarkable what, what they have done. It's one of the top cuisines in the world. Mexican cuisine is amazing. Love in so many different places. I was in Oaxaca in October. Oaxaca, Mexico. It, it changed. Honestly, like it helped me become a better chef. I was there for 10 days. And in Oaxaca, there's enough ingredients. I mean, wrap this around, right? If you're a chef, restaurant owner, there's enough ingredients to change your menu every two months. Every two months, you could, or six times a year, you could create a brand new menu with the amount of ingredients that are in Oaxaca, Mexico. That is crazy. To me, I'm like, wow, I would love to live there, to be able to be that creative. And then you take a look at it, some of the world's best chefs are from areas like that because they have, you know, the garden to play with, you know? Mm -hmm. And and so much of just a lot of problems from health, obesity, connection to our kids, a lot of it can come back to is just how we prepare our food. Like there's a lot of families in America that have just plain Jane food every night and they would probably describe their lives the same way. Like part of how you prepare your food can be how you live your life too. Like, is it vibrant? Is it colorful? Do you introduce new things? And it can be a simple way just to add, literally add some spice to your life. Yeah. And a, and a great way to change the outcome of your kid's future. Mm -hmm. right? When we're, when we're more worried about, like we don't take as people, right? We don't take time. We, we schedule things out right every day. Like later on tonight, I'm going to schedule my journal for my business journal for the week, do my time block and everything. One of the things I, Time block there is time block for myself. Like one hour of Ronaldo time, right? One hour of Ben time, one hour of lady time. It's important that we schedule time with ourselves. We don't do that. 
we don't schedule time with ourselves. So therefore, we're so exhausted all the time. We go for the quickest thing, mostly processed foods, and we we and we give that to our kids as well. You know, we work so hard to create this perfect life, but then we can't enjoy it because we're in the hospital. We're taking medications and all that. So with my family, I you know. I'm the Ronaldo time, right? And those times I take, it's mostly I'm in the kitchen or I'm, you know, journaling. I'm doing things to set up those time blocks where I could cook and I could create amazing food for the week. So today, right, I've been cooking all day. I've had a few calls today and throughout I've I made my food. So as far as the food, you know, it's all whole foods, you know, farm to table. You know, 90% plant-based, we're 90% plant-based family, uh, not by choice because I eat like that, so and I'm the one that cooks, so everybody <laughs> by default, it's like that. And the other 10% are just animal proteins, but I buy high-quality, sustainable uh, food. My family, I'm making, I just made it, I made this like cremini mushroom uh, saute with, with dry garlic and herbs and spices with a three meat blend, uh, spaghetti squash kind of pasta, right? We made, we made our uh, roasted potatoes. We made a uh, sweet potato fries. We just made this array of food that's going to be for the week. And that's going to assure that we stay on track, you know? And then for my sons, for my amazing kids, my, my one-year-old who eats like an animal, um, and then my, my picky son, Leon, even though as picky as he is, he still eats uh, all the food that I make. You know, it takes him a little while, but he still eats them. But that's setting, setting him up genetically, right? Changing his genetic, uh, um, God, man, that was the word I was looking for, uh, genetic uh, code where he could, in, he, he's going to automatically reach for the healthier snack, for the healthier food. And as he gets older, I believe it's going to help him live a better life because that's how I was raised. Yeah, there's like you mentioned, there's so many memories associated to food. Uh, and there's a lot of times like and a good example is uh, I grew up at a farm. My grandma lived at the end of my driveway. I was always down there watching her cook and bake. And she was an excellent baker and she could make a pie like nobody else. And she would pump out three or four of them a day if she needed to. And a lot of times if you needed to feel better, she would make you a pie, which was amazing. But like, and I'm, I've been looking back, I was like, that's an amazing feeling. It's amazing memory. I really like that memory, but it hasn't really served me very well. That <laughs> I'm generally not the healthiest, or I'm not the way that I want to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now every time I want to feel happy, I relate it to make pie. pie. So like all those little memories happened a thousand times through different food connections. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You feel sad, then you feel relationship to McDonald's maybe. Or yeah, maybe yeah. where your mom took you when you were sad, like, or that was what you were bribed with, maybe. Yeah. Like, those are little memories that they're going to associate to how they feel later in life. And I'm always challenging, like, how has that memory served me now? And then trying to frame that correctly with my kids to, I want them to associate the right emotion with the right way to treat that with either yeah. food or whatever outside activity maybe is what they should be doing. Yeah. And I, and I mean, the way I, like the way I handle that, I, I call it treats, right? So you get one treat a week, a, a way to reward yourself. So we have uh, the chocolate croissant. He loves chocolate croissant. So once a week on Fridays, we have one chocolate. I don't have it. He has it. He has his one chocolate croissant. So on Monday, 
He goes, Daddy, what day is it? I'm like, it's Monday. I'm like, all right, all right. We're almost there, right? I'm like, yes, Tuesday. So he looks forward to it. He doesn't ask me about it on Friday. He's like, what day is it? I'm like, it's Friday. He's like, yes, it's chocolate croissant day. So he's looking, to- he's looking forward. He's not connecting it to nothing. He just connected. It's like, this is a treat. This is something that I cannot have all the time because it's not good for me. But once a week, that's my treat for, for eating good, for being good at school, for being a good brother, for being a good yeah. son. So he's I, associating the right things to that, that reward. Exactly. So as he gets older, when he's, you know, uh, got a promotion, it's like, you know what? I'm going to have a treat. And I'm going to have, probably going to have a chocolate croissant. And he's going to think of that. You know, so I, you know, I'm always thinking ahead. It's like, I want to make sure that when he's 17, he's hugging me in front of his friends. Like, I don't care, Dad. I love you, man. I Here's a kiss. I love you so much. And it's okay. Because I, I didn't, you know, I didn't get that. I'm nowhere near that. You know, I grew up with a dad that's amazing dad, but very macho, very, he's like, oh, I, don't know, I can't hug you. You know what I'm saying? It, it, yeah. And and that's how, I, that's how I was raised. And I, you know, I guess I, I, I needed that. So I make sure I give that to my kid, you know, and I find sometimes I find myself like, oh, come on, in my mind, I'm like, oh, God, and more, and another hug. But I quickly stop that thought. I'm like, no, 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 no. Remember how you feel. Remember how you feel and felt with your dad, the way he was with you. Yeah. Is there a reason you picked diabetes as a, a niche? Is there a family reason or is you just kind of pick because it's a definite, def, definite, definite, definitely a need in today's society? I would, I was, I picked it because it's a need. I, I mean, I have family. Um, I don't have direct family. I have uh, family through marriage that do have diabetes. Um, I saw it as a need. You know, I, I'll tell you the story, man, to your, your amazing audience. That moment, um, Robert Johnson's uh, pediatric care, like a wish type of deal. So he, he, I got a phone call and they're like, can you come and cook for a kid? He's a big fan of yours. He's at the hospital. And can you come with him and spend the afternoon with him? I'm like, yeah, of course. I would love to. I mean, it's amazing, right? So I go. We, we went over there. He wanted a Cuban sandwich. I'm like, all right. We went over there. We made the Cuban sandwiches. We put them in the oven. We toasted it up. We ate together. We had a, an amazing conversation. So as I was being escorted out the hospital, there was a kid that was coming out of his room in a wheelchair, right? So he's coming out of his room. He's probably like nine. So just imagine your kid, all right, your son or daughter coming out of this, this room. And he had, I remember he had his right leg up um, on the, where you, the footrest of the wheelchair and he's rolling himself out. So he turns to the right and as I, he turned to the right, his left leg was missing. He just got amputated. I'm like, and I asked the nurse, I'm like, what happened to him? He's like, oh, he just, uh, they had to remove his leg because of diabetes. And I was like, what? It's like, yeah. It's like, there's, I mean, I don't know the stats off on top of my head. They keep on changing, but there's a lot of amputees due to diabetes, especially uh, they start at the toes, move up the ankle to the knee and eventually the leg. So I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, that's crazy. And I always wanted to write something, my first book, to help the community. And I found like this is a great way to help the community. You know, one into and one into uh, one into Latinos or you know non-Latinos are most likely to get pre-diabetes or diabetes. It's crazy. You know, the stats are unbelievable, and it, and it's hurting the U.S. economy as well through insurance and all that. And now 
all the stats of non-Latino Latinos and people of color are starting to even out. You know, this is an epidemic. Mm-hmm. So how can I in make make myself part of that and, and help these people out to do this? And, and it has just been growing. And through time, I'm very patient. I know my end game. I know where I'm going with it, my procedure. And I'm just checking up the check marks of my procedure. And it's just been getting um, bigger and bigger. And, and I'm making the right connections. And now that I have a lot more time with, I'm able to really really hone in on what I'm doing and reaching out to the proper channels. And, you know, I believe that God has set it up that way for me to really somewhat struggle and and, and get all these connections, bring up my celebrity and all that. So now I could really dig into the community and and I feel that I'm going to make some really amazing changes, great changes for our people in the years to come. And there's not a lot of celebrities in the Latino community, at least that I, I'm aware of. And I feel like there's not a lot of people talking about Latino uh, issues that allow it to, in a way that propel, the, there's probably Latino celebrities in general from like a Hollywood perspective, but people that are generally trying to advocate for stronger families, better health, that it's a, it's a pandemic on both sides. Yeah, I... I... Man, I don't, I don't know of many, honestly. I, I stay in my lane, and I, as far as you know, being the, the advocacy, right? I, I like to call myself the community conduit, el conductor, like just bringing the people together and working with companies like pharmaceutical companies and healthcare companies and healthy food brands to help them channel their message to the. Latino speaking community because Latino community, which is crazy, are not considered low hanging fruit, right? Mm -hmm. They're not considered low hanging fruit by these big companies, which they need to change that model because we are low hanging fruit. We are entrepreneurs. We are business. We are go getters. But the problem is that they don't know how to um, express their message to to us. So what I'm doing is connecting with these companies, being able to create that message. We, we sit down, we talk, we figure it out. I'm like, all right, the objective is let's connect with the Latino, but let's help them out. Let's give them more resources. So that is what I've been able to do. And what I'm doing now is being that community conduit, not only through working directly with the companies and also creating a better leadership flow and so on of a servant style leadership with these companies and also on the speaking stage, which is, I, I love being able to connect and be in front and tell a story that it's so powerful, so impactful that not only gives you goosebumps at the moment, but honestly makes you question, how can I become a better community conduit? Yep. The channel that information to try to make a, some, I think, it's easy to get hung up on like, Oh, I can't really make a difference. But like, if you made a difference in one person's life, that's really all that matters. And if one person made that difference and they just start replicating, you can easily get to a hundred people very quickly. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. So everything that I do, all my content, uh, uh, how I live my life, I it's very measured to when I do put it out there, when I, whatever my messaging is, is that it's, it's going to bring people together and it's going to show the people that, Hey, you could do it too. Man, I'm an, Im- I'm an immigrant from Colombia, right? I, I was born abroad. I was born a citizen abroad in the United States. My father 
Cuban, Cuban American, but I'm still an immigrant. I migrated to this country. I have worked my butt off to get where I'm at today. And I'm still, I, I'm nowhere near where I want to be. But with that said, I always tell people that you could do whatever it is you want in this country. Thankfully, man, because we have people that are protecting our shores for you to live out your dreams, to mm -hmm. create your dreams, to have this moment for your family. So take advantage of that. And remember each day, each and every day, we have the opportunity to do it all over again. Like, think about it. Like, wake up. You wake up tomorrow. You are able to do it all over again. So you're able to maybe fix a mistake that, that occurred the day before or try that thing that you didn't get to try yesterday because you are afforded the opportunity to do it all over again in a country that is free, in a country that allows you to dream freely without no issues. That you're not worried about somebody coming to your house and taking your family. You're not worried about a, a, a faction coming in and taking over the town. You're not worried about none of that. You're worried about if you got enough charge on your cell phone. You're worried about, am I going to make it in time for Game of Thrones tonight at 9 o'clock? That's what we're worried about, right? Thankfully, that's what I want to worry about. I don't want to worry about, man, I'm going to go to the grocery store like in Colombia. Hey, mom, let's go to the grocery store. Sounds good. We're driving. We are driving to the grocery store, right? And a guerrilla group is driving the opposite way, shooting at the cars with AK-47 machine guns, right? Shooting up in the air in the cars. We swerve off to the right. We hit another car, and we just tuck our heads, right? We just tuck our heads, and, and we pray, God, please, please, not today, not today, not today. Let us, please, today cannot be the day. Today is not the day we're going to die. And they kept driving. I popped my head up. Right at that time, I had hair. <laughs> I'm very bold, guys. Just to let you know, like by choice, by by you know lifestyle choices. <laughs> but we, popped, yeah, but yeah, thankfully, right? I had this huge dome, so I popped my head off, and, and you know, bring you back to that to that moment, and I had the mindfulness, the acute awareness to check on my mom and my brother in the back seat, and left. But think about it: if they would have stopped, they would have killed us, man. You know, that was my life. So here I am more than happy to worry about, you know, hey, I got no Wi-Fi. You know, I, I, I'm good to go. So for me, things don't bother me much. They don't, you know, they don't bother me at all. I am very, I kind of just, I, I go and I'm very thankful and, and I'm always asking for God's favor. You know, God gave me the favor to be a better dad, to be a better husband, to be a better human being and for and, and give me the favor to recognize opportunities do you have a plan or a vision to ensure your son understands that same of where you came from like do you plan on taking him back to Colombia and having him explore or do you have a what, what is your version to try to make sure your son understands how the world works Oh man, I, I love that question. It's crazy. I was thinking about, I was driving the other day and I was like, man, I would love to go to Colombia and, and bring my family and show them where I live, where I grew up and tell them stories, right? Because he's old enough now where he understands. Tell them the stories, the things I went through and, and take them to the, to the areas where I, you know, I mean, I'm not going to go into detail with him, but where I saw people get killed and get shot down. 
um, and what it, and, and what evolution does. The reason I'm going to tell him that is because evolution is key. Evolution is key to our growth. And if we're able to evolve and, 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 and understand that it's okay, we can move far away from that. You know, we're far removed from that. And, and then if you think about it, right, those moments weren't as bad as during medieval times when mm-hmm. they would publicly execute you for, I don't know, looking at the queen the wrong yep. way, right? Yep. Like, we're not that, like, we're not as a violent of society. You know, we've progressed tremendously. You know, we're, our, the crime rate, all that stuff has gone down tremendously. So I'm telling my son, I'm going to explain my son that about with, doing uh, you living your life this way and being thankful and working hard and and, and doing the right things and being a, a person that could hold their head up high at all times and not being shameful for anything they've done that is a true measurement of a great human being so that is one thing that that i'm definitely going to be doing that's in the in the plants and now i just speak with him i share with him uh my vulnerability moments that when i'm feeling a certain way or when a moment comes up that I'm like, all right, this is a great moment. I could teach him something. So I bring up my past in a way where he's going to get it. We pray a lot. We pray every morning. So this is pretty cool. So a little bit of my morning routine. Okay. So I get up at 6am, um, go that directly downstairs. I have a drink of water and I read for about 20, 25 minutes. Once I'm done reading, I make my breakfast. Typically it's the same breakfast. I do three eggs, uh, some shot scallions, tomatoes, salami, eggs, mix that in there, and a bit of cheese. Once I'm done eating, I put the milk on, I go upstairs, I get ready, take a cold shower. I take a cold shower every morning, like cold, you know, just to reset the mind. And, and if you haven't taken cold shower, guys, start doing it. Cold water therapy is one of the best things you could do for your life. And from there, I get my boys ready. At 7.30, we're in the car. I take them to school and pick them up, take them and pick them up from school. And then we, as soon as we get in the car, before we leave the driveway, we pray. We say our prayer. And we pray for whatever comes to our heart. And then we move forward. He always asks me, Dad, can we pray? So what about our prayer? I'll do it on purpose. I'll kind of back out. He's like, Daddy, Daddy, our prayer. I'm like, oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. So I'm building those habits in him already. He's making it part of his life. And the results of all that is a great son. A leader to my to my youngest, a person that takes responsibility, and just an amazing overall human being, man. And gratitude, I think, anchoring okay. yourself in gratitude before his day begins is yes. something that's going to to serve him well. And we talk about a lot in the podcast about, and I, I mean, we've been really diving into this concept in a few recent episodes. That I think a lot of veterans get hung up in our transition for our legacy as our service. And they try to spend all their energy trying to figure out why people died and they lived. And yeah. in reality, what you're doing is the, is essentially switching to the next legacy, which is our family, which you have no idea those little seeds that you're planting, what type of plants and flowers will grow from those. And I've heard legacy explained that way, that plant, you're, uh, a legacy is planting seeds in a garden you never get to see grow. And it's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I could, I dig that. I could agree with that. Um, you know, legacy is definitely. Um, I, I mean, I think, I think that you, you, you. I think you could see your those seeds grow in a way when you are planning, uh, working towards your legacy, because your legacy, you won't see the 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 
what's to come in the future, obviously, because that's something that, you know, only God knows. But in the moment, you could see what your legacy could be and what it could look yeah, like. You get a little pieces of it. You get a little piece of glim- yeah. glimpses of it, of snapshots. Maybe he pauses to say hello to a friend or uh, yes. often my daughter's making pictures or uh, on her math homework, she's always writing friendly notes to her teacher, like best teacher in the world. Like that's, a that's amazing. It's a little bit of a snapshot of what she's yeah. going to do in the future. Yeah. And it gives me excitement and hope and that, uh, of the, the woman that she's going to grow up, grow up to be and that go out into the world to become, you served in the middle East, I think. No, I didn't, I didn't nope. get to, I almost, almost went to the middle East. I had the orders. So I got orders on a Friday to, um, it was right in 2000. It was right at the 2002, you know, shortly after nine 11. And I got orders. My team got orders. We're like, all right, we're ready to go. We, we, we hooked it up. We put our supplies together. We did our, you know, we're about to do our inspection on Sunday. And during that time, um, I was dating one of the second highest sergeant major's daughter during that time. They frowned upon that. I think that you know that, right? <laughs> so I was, but I was, we were dating already for like a year and a half. Okay. Right? And I mean, I didn't know, you know, when I met her, I had no idea. When I found out, I was like, oh my God, what did what I get? Did my I do? <laughs> Yo, this man, before I answer the, the other question, this man was the most intimidating person, human being I ever met in my life. He was six five, school yard head, just like he was, he bled red, white, and blue. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he had. And, I can picture that in my head too. You know, he would sit. We walk. I, first time I met him, I will never forget this. He was sitting in his rocking chair, right, in his, in his lazy boy, with his right leg over the left, had a cigarette just dangling off to the right, kind of like an old Clint Eastwood movie type deal. Like, imagine Clint Eastwood. This is him. <laughs> and I come in, and, and stupidly enough, I call him sir. I was like, how are you, sir? Pleasure to meet you. He's like, you ever, you ever effing call me sir again? I would drop you where you stand. I'm, he's like, I work for a living. You call me sorry, major. I'm like, oh my God. I was like, sorry. I was like, oh shit. I'm like, sorry, major. I'm so sorry. Sorry, major. I'm like, my apologies. Just the way I was raised is like, I don't care how you were raised. I work for a living. You call me sorry, major. I'm like, oh my God. I was like, all right. But we became really good friends. He taught me a lot, man. Like he taught me, he taught me so many great lessons. So going back to that Friday, I got my my orders and I called my mother. I called everybody and they were like, oh my God. And my dad's like, listen, we'll see you when you come back. I'm like, Roger that, sir. It's like, you know, make sure you don't get killed. Shoot first. They're the enemy. Take them out. Your team comes back. I'm like, yes, dad. I'm like, I got it, dad. Don't worry. <laughs> and then my mom's like crying. I'm like, mom, don't worry about it. I'll be good to go. I'll be fine, you know? So we hung up the phone. And on Sunday, that Sunday, I was ready for my inspection. You know, I inspected my Marines, and I was getting inspected by the staff NCOIC. And he, he came in, and I was ready to go, man. I was, like, pumped up. I'm like, yes, going over there, man. We're going to fight for America. This is what we sign up for, right? Like, people don't get it. We sign up, we have to do our job and to get education. But at the end of the day, we sign up for the possibility to go to war and, 
and and uh, defend our shores. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to get a chance to do that, right? To put my time in for our country and be able to protect our shores. I was really excited. Sunday came, Staff NCYC knocks at the door. He's like, and I come in. I'm like, hey, I'm Staff Sergeant, how are you? He's like, hey, how you doing? I have some bad news for you. I'm like, well, what happened? He's like, your orders got canceled. I'm like, what do you mean my orders got canceled? Yeah, you're not going overseas anymore. And I'm like, why not? He said, well, you, you have too little time left in your contract. I'm like, so what? I'll sign an extension. He's like, no, they're not allowing that, blah, blah, blah. It sounded really weird because at, during that time, they would just, you know, extend your, your they would just extend your contract. And they don't care about you. They just like, <laughs> yeah, you're a your number contract. and you're, you're good enough for their list of people to go. Yeah. So they changed my orders to do on, go on a UNITAS to South America to train uh, the Marines, that, the military that. So, but like, all right. So I did all this training for like five months and they canceled those orders because all the ships and everything were out in Iraq. There was no ships for that, right? Because the UNITAS is more for, you know, bringing the world together, you know. And during that yeah. time, that was more important, right? So they were like, you're not going nowhere. Your contract ends in a couple months. I'm like, all right. You know, and I don't question things because, you know, God, I always say God has a, 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 a plan for you and just kind of go with it. And that was my story of not going to to Iraq. But survivor's guilt, man, got a big time. I had one of the Marines die and I got that. You know, we spoke about it earlier, right? Survivor's guilt. Mm-hmm. If I was there, he wouldn't have died. I started going down that rabbit hole, man. It was tough. For a year after I got out of the Marine Corps, I was, man, I was depressed, dude. Depressed, anxiety, you name it. Angry, pissed off, you know? And then if I got out of that, essentially. And I was young anyway, you know? You're 23 years old. You don't know better. Life and then, you know, being able to be mindful and have a great support around me. And just uh, the food. Food, man. Food saved my life again. Food took me back. Went in the kitchen. And went to school and, and it brought me back to, to what I'm good at, you know, and it made it okay. So that's why I love food so much. And that's why I know the power of food, of what it does and what it could do for people and how it could change your life. You know, and that was my, my, my story of the war. Even though I didn't go and, and I felt, you know, guilty. And sometimes I do still, you know, and I had that survivor's guilt. And, and that sucked even worse I think you know because that what if what if I would have gone what if I would have been there I would have been able to to save his life you know that's the worst you know even if you're there and it does happen you know what happened you know you're you're he died because of a right but not being there and dying you don't know so you 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 feel you feel guilty like you feel like I feel sad like right now like going back to that moment and and it's not a good feeling, you know, and it, but it's part of life. It's part of life. I like that. And it touches on so many different areas of how coming home, working through whatever it is we're trying to deal with, all of those things have to be dealt with. And there's different ways that everybody deals with them. And there is life on the other side of that is the other part that you've, talked about and it reminded me of a story that uh 
John Lee Dumas, our host of Entrepreneur on Fire, tells that he had a lot of, he was an army officer of the cavalry unit in Iraq and he lost soldiers under his command. And when he got out, he just had regular jobs in California. And he kept considering like a defining moment was when he, when those soldiers came back at Dover Air Force Base and they were being unloaded. Like that moment, he had to create a life that was worthy of their life being sacrificed. And he, de- he, he describes everything he's done since with his podcast, with whatever he's created, is it living up to their life being sacrificed? And like that continues. And it's very similar to your story that your friend passed so that you could create a legacy that was bigger than anything of his sacrifice. And you've, you're changing more lives than that one person leaving did. But at the same time, he died so that you can change the world with diabetes and bring people home with Latino community and understand how food can revolutionize. Like I've even connecting this podcast, I relate back to, am I living up to my defining moment is, am I, I would almost go back to when I joined the Marine Corps because I didn't really feel like I was a Marine. I was probably would have voted least likely in high school to become a Marine. And I, <laughs> I did it anyhow, almost because I didn't have the guts to tell the recruiter no. But at the same time, it was almost like a dare to be great moment. Like there was something that I couldn't even describe and probably didn't even know what I was feeling. But like I got out of the Marine Corps because I didn't feel like it was going to allow me to reach my full potential. And I keep reflecting back, like, am I continuing to push forward to reach that potential that I touched so little of way back then? And even now with the podcast, I feel like I'm getting closer, but I'm still continuing to reflect on that defining moment. And it sounds like you had that too with your friend dying over in a season, you staying back. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I, I always, you, I always, you kind of use those moments, you know, when the moments that you feel kind of like, like lazy, I don't feel like doing this, feel sorry for yourself. And I reach back in the, in the file cabinet, right? You know, people died for you to be able to live this great life, mm-hmm. to make changes. Um, so when those moments come about, I'm able to dig in there and just be like, it's fine. Stop, stop it. Inner critic voice, right? We all have it. The inner critic voice, super annoying. And then you just be like, yo, stop it. Get out of here. We need to continue on our mission. And that mission is to change people's lives. The way they look at themselves and the way they, they looked at themselves in the mirror of how they, they view their future self to change the people's views and point on, on how they have a relationship with food, a relationship with their, their family, with their kids, with their wife. And, and I do that. I'm able to do that because my friend sacrificed his life and went and died. Mm-hmm. It, there's been a few dads that have shared stories where they've lost people overseas to me. And in a lot of ways, it's the same kind of concept that someone else died so that your son could hug someone for the rest of their life. Yeah. And us not coming home as dads is somehow robbing that person that did sacrifice their life from what he let you come home to. And with the podcast, I feel like by cutting through so much of the BS, what you talked about the inner critic that so many of our friends, even if we don't even know them, but a lot of Marines, airmen, soldiers, Navy have died in the recent wars. 
they all died so that we could hug our kids and go to bed at night. That yep. we need to always anchor self in those moments and judge whether we're living up to that that dad moment. Was that sacrifice of them dying so I could hug my kid? Am I being the dad that they wanted me to be by jumping that grenade instead of me? Because yep. that's and Ultimate. then it shifts your legacy as well. That they allowed you to create a legacy and an impact that they don't e- they didn't even understand. They just knew what was right in that moment. And yeah. it doesn't matter how you feel about that moment. It just measures how you measure your life currently up to that moment. Is that yeah. worthy of what you're doing? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely right. hundred percent. That chain reaction is unbelievable. You know, to, to, you know, to say the least that sacrifice, you know, and for people like us, veterans like ourselves, Marines, army, U S Navy, air force, we're able to, to got out, came home, and created an amazing life. And I use all those motivators to make sure that I'm living up to what my promises are to be able to give a life to my family that I wasn't able to have. You know, a much better life, a life where you have a dad, a life where you have somebody there to communicate with, to talk to, and not feel a stranger that he's a stranger. Like I, I don't want my son to say that about me. You know, I want my son to look up to me, you know, and he does. Like, he says some pretty cool stuff. Like, he'll go up to say, you know, my dad's a chef. You know, my dad's on TV. You know, my dad, he has a book. You know that? I'm like, good job, Liam. Tell him to go to Amazon.com and get that book. <laughs> but it feels good because he's like, all right, I'm doing a good job. I am making sure that he sees it, but also I'm leading by example. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty powerful. And if we all take that into consideration, how we live our life, non-veteran or veteran, we could do some pretty cool stuff in this world, man. I couldn't agree more. Is there a resource or a book that you'd recommend for other military veteran dads? Maybe a particular book that helped you through your transition or through your journey to be the chef? To be the chef. I, I will say, man, I have so many books. I'm looking at books right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading, well, I will say the book I'm reading right now, right? Because let me tell you why. I know it's, you know, through, through, the, through the moment. I've read a few books. I like, I, but I want to talk about the book I'm reading right now. I'm, I'm reading TED Talks. So it's a guide of becoming a bad uh, bad as um, speaker. So all these moments, and that's something that I'm, you know, bringing forth to light now, becoming um, a more, uh, becoming a speaker, being on stage a lot more frequently, right? You know, creating your speech and creating your, finding your style and all that. You know, I know my style and I know where I need to go. And this is to refine what I was doing. But as I've read this book, it has reminded me of so many moments throughout my life, especially during the Marine Corps when I spent four, you know, the four years there as a food service specialist and, and the kid that I was at that moment, you know, I was so, I was like 18 years old, man. I was 20 years ago. Right. And through 1920 of how I grew, how I didn't read back then, if I was just more about, you know, just get the work done and, and go out and do whatever you need to get done and just becoming the best Marine ever, right? I always wanted to be like the best Marine ever to live, right? That's always been with everything I've done. 
and as and as I I got away from there, you know, I read books on on Cuban cooking, the cookery, the the process of cooking, the, the art of it, and then that evolves, right? And as I'm reading this book, I'm seeing how all the, I have brought all those moments to 2019, and how I have molded them into different style of talks, right? So like my life has been its own book, and it's TED Talk book has been able to, for me to see all those moments and remind me of a lot of things that I have not forgotten about, but I haven't thought about in a while. And I've just been writing them down and helping me create my three global talks that I want to do, which is on health and wellness, uh, community conduit, and leadership. So the TED Talks book, uh, I would definitely recommend reading it. And here's a little tip for you guys that are listening. When you're reading a book, right, Get it on Audible and read it at one and a half, put it on one and a half or 1.75 speed and then read the book. You're able to, one, capture a lot more and retain more information and go through the book. You could go through the book literally in seven days, put in it 30 minutes, 30 minutes a day. You could finish it in one week and you're able to capture so much information, retain a lot of it. And kind of, and then just go through the book quick because I mean, it is, we don't have time as it is. And this is a great way to, I guess, buy back time. So it's a really great strategy for reading. I love, I love Audible and uh, it's my uh, automobile university of listening to uh, books on, books on tape, but books on my phone, uh, yeah. on the car to way to work and uh, just introducing new thought patterns. And I like what you said that, uh, you recognized the breadcrumbs of what happened in your life helped shape your, the view you have today. Yeah. No one has experienced life like you have, and no one can share their perspective on life from your vantage point. Mm-hmm. And every person has that ability to share some story from a vantage point that nobody else has the ability to do. But it's the story that allows someone to do that. And so much so many times we try to ignore the story or focus on like, it doesn't matter. But there was a, a book that I just started getting into. Uh, it was, it was a, it was the guy who was on the Jimmy Fallon show, the tonight show it was Henley Winkler. Okay. It, it, he, he wrote these books called Hank Zippler and it was what is it? Hank Zippler, Z I P L E R. It's, it's right. essentially okay. it's his story early on. I'm writing it down. <laughs> I've just started reading. I just checked them out from the library and I'm reading them to my daughter at night now because I've been trying to find a book to read to her, but I wasn't ready for Harry Potter, which is too much. Okay. And the last series <laughs> book was called Everybody is Somebody to Somebody. Like, and that was advice that his mom gave him. Like, you have a lot of struggles in your life. You feel yeah. like every day that you just don't fit in and you don't do things well but everybody is somebody to somebody. And even if you find someone that doesn't resonate with your story, there's someone out there that would hang on to every word because yeah. everybody is somebody to somebody. Exactly. 100%. I mean, there's, there's billions of us in the world, right? Exactly. And you could capture half a percent of that. Half a percent of it. You're good. You're more than good. I mean, you're more than good. It only takes a thousand people to make a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's true. That is a hundred percent true, man. And capturing that capturing, you know, I think that in today's world, we, we focus a lot on how many people can we get or what's the audience and everything like that. I believe it's just, and what I've done throughout my life is just, just develop, just create, be authentic, be you 
and the right people will come to you and then they will just fall behind you and, and, and move forward. And I bet you this is probably how you felt when, in your first episode. Mm-hmm. Like, who wants to listen to this, right? A lot of people. Yeah, I'm up to, I think we're, by the end of this month, we'll have 2,000 people. Let's That's amazing, man. Congratulations, brother. Congratulations. And you had zero. You had one. It was zero. I had zero. And <laughs> even as I promote the podcast, people reach out. And my method is I focus on one person at a time. And yeah. I, I will find random people on the internet that will resonate with the right story. And um, I'll boldly go out there and ask for their address. I'll buy them a book on Amazon and I'll send it to them. I have no idea who these people are. I have an idea of what the message they need. And I'm literally just going out there and trying to find one or two lives at a time and finding out the biggest impact I can make and sending them a book and a thank you card is all I can do right now. That's yeah. what I do. And I have no idea what those are going to do, but that's how you create a movement. One or two. Seeds, man. It's building your legacy, right? Those are your seeds for your legacy. And I, and I love the fact that you take the time to answer the people and the, and the comments they leave and all that. That's cool, man. That is amazing. Ronaldo, I am positive we brought several uh, people home today with this episode. And I loved how we talked about food as a vehicle for that coming home. I think a lot of families don't focus on food as yeah. a vehicle of the family, as a place where community, the dinner table, having dinner every night. Uh, and I've just really appreciated this conversation. And I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for to have you in my life and uh, as a, a friend to call now and to, to grow as a friend as well. Yeah, me too, man. I'm I'm very happy to have another another friend. <laughs> Always looking for good people to connect with and and to learn from and to share ideas with, to be able to help this this movement and this growth, especially for veterans like ourselves and veteran dads. It's amazing what, what you're doing, and I'm very happy to to have been able to interview here on this podcast and and just have a have a nice conversation. You know, not on any particular thing just about how can we just be better, better dads. And, 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 and when we come home, being able to transition better. And I really hope that that advice that I gave on, on um, the community aspect, right. And the communication partner and just kind of mold them back in, just, just fall into it. You know, it'll be, it'll be okay. Right. Be vulnerable. It's fine. Yep. So we'll include Ronaldo's uh, social handles in the, the show notes. Is there a particular social platform that you enjoy hanging out on the most? Uh, well, I have, I, I like I, well, top three, right? So number one, LinkedIn. I'm really, I switched. It used to be Instagram. Now it's LinkedIn. You're like the only celebrity that I've ever said, I've heard say LinkedIn is their favorite. I, yeah, I don't know if I, man, you know, it's business, man. Like LinkedIn is really great because I wouldn't have been on this podcast if it wasn't for LinkedIn. I, I agreed. You know what I'm saying? And I'm able to connect with people like on a different level. Like I don't, we're just having conversation about business. Yeah. There's not just natural like crazy followers that just want to know who Ronaldo is. and Yeah. And I guess weird DMs and stuff like that. So (laughs) I don't get that on LinkedIn, which is great. Instagram. I love Instagram because I'm able to control the, the narrative and, and, and how I'm creating the story and the reaction as well. Even though I get a little bit of crazy on the DM, but it's okay. It's part of it, right? And then Facebook. I love Facebook. I love putting a lot of content and kind of share my, I share a lot of my private stuff there as well. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, 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 you see it's what you get. There's nothing else. So I will go there, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. And we'll include a copy of your cookbook that I'm also going to dive into and buy a copy of because I am always looking for new things to spice up the kitchen and 
oddly enough, I, I've always liked a good challenge and a good hard recipe and mastering the technique, the, uh, the, all the nuances that you got to learn. Yeah. Yeah. That, was, that is really kind of always been like therapeutic for me in some ways. Like it helps me just connect. And even if my wife joins in, like those are simple ways that we connect together as well. No, it's, it's amazing, man. Like I, I tell people cook with your spouse. It, it is amazing. Like today, you know, like I said earlier, we're spending most of the day in the kitchen. Like today I sous vide, I sous vide some salmon. It's just, well, people I don't know is just putting, putting food in a vacuum seal bag or a Ziploc bag. This is a little trick for you guys. Ziploc bag, open a Ziploc bag up, put your, let's say chicken, aromatics, oil, whatever. Oh, uh, drop it in the, drop it in. And then the heat is going to kind of vacuum seal it inside the water. So once all that, uh, all that air has come out, you seal it hang it over the side and then you put in your sous vide machine in there and then just kind of cook it really slow. So we were able to do some chicken breasts. We did it at 150 degrees for an hour and a half. We did some uh, wild salmon, real nice salmon, real beautiful salmon. And we just cooked a bunch of stuff because she's also part of the health and wellness life. So it's really nice because I don't have to fight her for, to eat healthy. We just cook and eat and have a good time. Yeah, it's integrated as a, a core part of your family. Yes, sir. Absolutely. 100%. I love it. Bernardo, you enjoy the rest of your day. I really appreciate this conversation and I look forward to the next time we get to talk. Uh, no, me too. Likewise, everybody have an amazing day and remember each day is a new chance to do it all over again. Agreed. Thank you. That's a wrap. And thank you for listening to today's show. And I really hope you enjoyed it. The lifeblood of any new podcast are the reviews. If you haven't reviewed the podcast yet on iTunes, I would really appreciate it, and you will help us get the message out to even more military veteran dads. As John Maxwell says, if there is hope in the future, there is power in the present. Dads, it's time to come home.